Georgia completes its 12-0 season going back-to-back the first time in school history with their win over Georgia Tech, 37-14. to And Georgia is, as of right now, number one in the college football playoff picture with a lot left to be decided. As always, I'm Cheeto, and with me is Keegan, and welcome back to another episode of Dogs Off the Leash. What pretty much turned out to be a clean, old-fashioned ass whooping, if you ask me. And going 12 and 0 in a regular season is not something that should be underrated at all. This is a feat. We we keep finding new ways to express how good Kirby's been since he got to the University of Georgia. And I think back-to-back 12 and 0 seasons is just another one that shows the rise to the top, but how consistent it has been as well. The fact remains that we finished the season with a cherry. Beaten Georgia Tech, feel good about it, and overall, twelve and zero, back to back. Has it has it been done in Georgia history? Two undefeated seasons in a row. So, kudos to Kirby, and who knows? It, it could be saying big things for the end of the season. That's obviously what we're hoping for. But only uh, two other SEC schools in the modern era have done this, and that would be Florida in 08 and 09, I believe it was, and then uh, one of the uh, Nick Saban Alabama years. And then in the college football era, only one other team has done it, and that is Clemson. So Georgia is on a very, very small list. Historically, uh, you know, you can kind of – it's hard to get into the nitty-gritty, and sometimes it's just the luck of the schedule if you go unbeaten. So I won't, like – make it the utmost thing, but I think it is just another little uh, mark in the bedpost. I know that's a terrible way to put it, but just a little a little etching of the greatness that Georgia has become. And it's just, you know, back-to-back undefeated seasons. The SEC championship lays before us, but we can hold off because I know we want to get straight to that and just talk about this game against Georgia Tech. They came on strong, you know. We, we know that now Brent Key has been named the coach. I think that's a great decision. If I'm looking at what he was able to do from competitiveness, at least from a good portion of the game versus Georgia, and then their last two wins, you know, against some ranked opponents too. Like, the, you know, they're, they're definitely on the come up, but, you know, last Saturday it was not their game. They did start strong. They had a beautiful – deep pass on a fourth and short (laughs) midfield that kind of took us by surprise. And then they put in their more mobile QB who was able to sneak in a run and score basically untouched. So, you know, things were looking a lot more competitive, but slowly but surely Georgia chipped away. And as, as good as the defense was, you know, I got to give the offense credit for really taking it to another level in, the running back play, the running backs in general, very strong room nationally, but they were able to kind of take another step forward. And Kenny McIntosh has been balling out 
the last this week and the week before. And, uh, you know, y'all have been speaking highly of uh, Dejon Edwards all year and just what I thought he could do as a pure runner. But then also, um, you know, being able to see the big dog healthy. Um, and my name, gosh, help me out here. Kendall, Kendall Milton has come on strong too with a couple of big plays. And really, you know, we're seeing a, a healthy Kendall kind of opposition of what beginning of the season was a little bit bumpy health wise for him and just his effectiveness as a, as a baller overall, he's really getting good cuts, seeing the lanes. And I think I'm starting to see him take another step forward as a player in his development at Georgia, which historically not only has brought in great talent at the running back position, but overall been able to take a really good back coming in, have them, you know, start off being a great NFL running back. So I think both of these guys have NFL futures and in Dejon Edwards too. So uh, overall a good offensive day and we were able to kind of open it up in the second half. And I really give a lot of credit to the running backs. So that's kind of my consensus on what started off as a little bit bumpy, but you know, it was entertaining and I thought Georgia tech was playing good football. Sometimes your team's making mistakes, mental errors, uh errors and people are as i made <laughs> the irony of that come on guys but the thing is is that georgia you know they started off in a very competitive game some people want to make it out to be you know sometimes a good team plays down to competition sometimes others make it out to be a worse team plays up to their competition either way you want to slice it it started off strong and then eventually georgia pulled away and came out with what was a lopsided victory overall. Cheeto, what did you see? And, you know, what what sort of uh, conclusions did you take away from the game considering start off a little hot, you know, a little, little bit more competitive than we expected. But, hey, it's a rivalry game, and that's that's kind of what we got. For the, for the Bulldogs, I think the game was a little bit up and down, but really that's been the story of our season. It's not been – just pure domination across the board. We've had some really good performances. You look back at Oregon, you look at South Carolina, you look at Tennessee, but then there's been some performances that have left a lot to be desired. You go back to Kent state, Missouri, and you can look at Georgia tech as being one of those in-between games, just to where we saw flashes of the dominant team, but we saw Georgia tech put together a really good game, especially in the first half. I was really impressed with the jackets and I've been impressed with Brent key. Very glad, I say glad like I'm a Georgia Tech alum or something, but very glad that they hired <laughs> the right coach and didn't really, you know, wet the bed as far as making a decision to go away from Brent Key. Um, same, really the same basket as Cadillac Williams, who has been there with the Auburn program. I really wanted them to name him the head coach. They decided to go with Hugh Freeze, but I think they are retaining Cadillac, so at least good for them for doing that. But... <clears throat> Uh, some things that I liked, I, I really love what I'm seeing from Kenny Mack. And you mentioned Kendall Milton. Kendall Milton is rounding into form at the right time of the season. 44-yard touchdown. I still think he's the most talented back, but he was dealing with injuries. He was fumbling the ball a little bit. So you saw Kenny Mack and Dejon Edwards take over. Stetson, I would say, you know, if you want to go stock up, stock even or stock down. Honestly, I'd say, I'd say stock down. But I say this 
in the regular season where Stetson has a um, you know, a knack of turning the ball over sometimes. At least what I liked from him is he tucked it and ran the ball when he didn't have receivers open. So um that was that was promising. You mentioned the fourth and nine early on where Georgia Tech converts. That should never happen. And then also we talked about the third and fourth string quarterback. The fourth string quarterback ends up punching the touchdown into the end zone. Uh, he's a running quarterback. You have to expect that. So some lapses on defense early, and then they hit us with the halfback pass at the end of the game. So outside of that, nothing really nothing really too alarming. But getting back to Stetson, I think the big problem with our offense is we're not having enough receivers get separation and getting open. But we are going to get A.D. Mitchell, who made an appearance very, very shortly in the game. And then I'm hoping to see Dominique Blaylock, Rosemary Jack Saint, who had a touchdown this game, all start to get vertical. And honestly, I'm very excited for the postseason because one, Stetson usually is dependable, and I'm looking for Todd Munkin to open up the playbook and really start to attack some of these teams on the perimeter down the field, even with uh, Brock Bowers, who is now still, again, a finalist for the Mackey Award. Uh, some other things that I really love to see was special teams. Special teams was great across the board. Jackpot. Um, we had good returns on punts, good returns on kickoffs. And then other than that, the referees were terrible, but we overcame that. So that's what's going to have to happen if we are going to win some of these games. They're, it's going to continue to be a grind out game, but as long as we don't turn the ball over, I, I, I think we're fine. Um, and as far as the highlight for me was the play where Kenny Mack caught that wheel route from Stetson going down the sideline and the stiff arms, a guy, those are the types of play that I want Todd Munkin to just make a staple for this offense. It was jet sweep away with Brock Bowers. They did a post clear out um, on the inside receiver on the left side. I can't remember who exactly it was. And then the, the running back with the real route outside of the backfield mismatch with all that, with all that stuff going on prior, it's just beautiful play calling. And that's, what's going to carry us to a championship. But all in all, this team has done what they've needed to do. And this senior class has been a very big part of that. They broke the record for the most wins by a senior class in UJ history with 46 wins over the over the span of four seasons. And that is for the 2021 senior class. So clean old fashioned hate. Uh, it's not been so much hate for Georgia tech really has been feeling sorry for them, but really glad that we ended the season that way on a high note. And now we can shift focus to, the SEC championship game and our matchup with the LSU Tigers. Hell yeah, dude. This is the big daddy, like national championship. Of course you want them. Of course that's the one that's really the award, but like year to year, especially in this conference of late, like I guess the last 20, it's been the SEC schools that are, you know, dominant and really a lot of times, I mean, the the couple of times that Bama, you know, ended up getting championships after wins over Georgia in the SEC championship, which would be like close, competitive, back and forth, heartbreaking games for Georgia. You know, Bama beats a, a, a Notre Dame team by like a ton or, you know, they really whoever they play, it's like half the time it's not as competitive as this SEC championship. So it means a lot. And I think history shows that you know this year not really you know LSU is not I would not say a top five team but year to year it has been that game it does mean a lot and for this senior class you know they've been talking about in the facility around the program a lot of the on the ground reporters have quoted the players as saying you know we're trying to put numbers on the wall you know we're trying to leave a legacy and that's something that as good as last year's 
team was that won that national title. They could not get past Bama in the SEC championship game. Kirby's only won one in 2017, as great as his tenure's been. And year to year, it's just hard to do. Like, you know, just like if you're especially in the thick of the SEC West, which has been re really strong in certain years, it's just hard to get through that gauntlet. Um, SEC East is looking more and more difficult to get through as well and probably more even keel, but it's just an accomplishment to make it to this game. Georgia's got a lot on the line with, I guess I feel like they're probably a lock either way. Cheeto, what's your status on that as far as does Georgia have to win this game to be a playoff team or are they already a lock? I mean, I see the predictors, but what are your thoughts on that? Um, It seems to me that, yeah, Georgia's pretty much a lock either way this goes, but I'm I'm really liking what I'm hearing from Kirby and, and the players so far. Like the thing that they did last year was – what we've all wanted we have sec championships we're not a stranger to that but the national championship was very elusive to us and then kirby talked about how he has just as many national championships as he does sec championships and that just goes to show how tough it is to win the sec and how often the sec champion goes on to win a national championship so the fact that they are really focusing on beating lsu um is huge it's an, it's another feather in the cap for Kirby and for this team. Again, another accomplishment that, um, you know, that we'll get to hang our hat on. And LSU has beaten us in this game more times than not. And even when we've had a really good season, we've, like last year, lost the SEC and won the national championship. So this is a hard thing to do. But I think with the implications that come with this, if we beat LSU, we gain, we win the SEC title which justifies our thought that we are the best in the SEC, but we also have the opportunity to play in Atlanta for our first semifinal game in the Peach Bowl, which is huge. I know credit Kirby will never really give a whole lot of credit to the, the home. It's our home stadium or the lack of travel, but these things do add up and having a bunch of fans in red and black during a semifinal for the playoff would be huge. You cannot, you cannot overstate that. So uh, I think the implications are very important. But as it stands right now, we do have UG at number one, Michigan at number two, TCU at three, and USC, who was my one correct prediction who was going to make it, is at number four right now. All these teams have a long way to go to secure their spot because you have Ohio State at number five and Alabama looming at number six. And we all know, that if the committee has an opportunity to put Ohio State and or Alabama into this field, they will do it. One, they have the, the pedigree of a champion. They, both teams are capable of going on a run. The, there's the money involved. There's the fan bases. There's the viewing. Like, these are real things. So for the top four teams, <laughs> it, is, it is our job to keep these teams out, and you're going to have to earn it. So um, that's, that's what the LSU game means to me. Do you remember like rec league football where they would, you'd have, I don't know if y'all ever had like area playoffs, but sometimes what would happen is that, you know, your team in your league might move into the area playoffs, but you know, the team you're playing down the street is really like an all-star team. So maybe what they ought to do is, you know, just get the best players from Bama and Ohio state playing, you know, under one Bama state, team you know kind of combine them just for this particular you know kind of how like in dragon ball z you could do the 
fusion and like meld together. <laughs> hey, don't play about that DBZ. I, 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 th- I think if the national media had their way, they would probably do that and just put some kind of like Coleman. They'd have CJ Stroud throwing it to Bryce Young in the backfield, throwing it to Jameer Gibbs, throwing it to some Ohio State receiver. You know, it's not a Bama receiver. So, but uh, I mean, yeah, they'll do anything they can. To get in there. They, re- they really will. I just remember that in rec league, you're, you're playing a team, you're in the playoff and then you realize like this team's actually the all-star team, or you realize that they're actually like the seventh grade, like JV squad for the middle school. And they're playing sixth graders. It was always some kind of something, always some, some numbers were getting scrubbed off the, uh, the official transcripts when, when these kids were, were getting in the games. But yeah, I think the national media would do everything they can to get those teams in there. But I don't think at the end of the day, it might not make any difference. Maybe it's for ratings, but they got USC in there. They got Michigan in there. They got Georgia. TCU is not as big of a brand, but overall, it's, you know, got a passionate fan base, and it, it's it's what the sport needs. That's why we're expanding the playoffs. So it's like if you only expand the playoffs to have the 12 teams that sell the most jerseys, <laughs> then, then we're taking a step back speak, so. speaking of expansion and, and it's not that i'm not against it because i, I actually kind of am because again if you if you add some of these fringe teams the ohio state and alabama and tennessee if they were whole and healthy and tennessee fans please stop crying like yes you beat alabama but your team is not the same team without hendon hooker and i think they're taking that into account it's not disrespect it's just kind of how the committee they want to see these matchups like putting Anyways, I won't even I won't even go down that road, but just hang tight on that. But yes, I'm for expansion if it's uh, 12 in the first four, get the first round by and then, you know, it's one more round of games. But at the same time, when you have a very elite four, UGA, Michigan, TCU, USC being the only one loss, you can this year would be it would be disgusting. Letting a three-loss LSU team in, uh, Alabama with two losses, a Clemson with two losses, or whoever else with two losses, like I just don't really like the way that sounds. So if they're gonna do it, I want this expansion like to stop because I think the elite nature and the rarefied air, how hard it is to get into the playoff, I think that makes it. It makes every loss and every win so much more crucial, and I think that's what college football needs. It may not be week to week, you know. Again, my my. I would expand it to the 12, pop off one of those non-conference little cupcake type school games for every school. And that keeps, that keeps the league very interesting week to week. There's still one or two cupcakes that still get their money, a couple non-conference games here or there, but it's not just like the front of our schedule this season where it was just cupcake after cupcake. And you saw Kent state, you know, gave us a run for our money. So I think that really condenses and gives meaning to every game in the season. That's how I view it. Do you, do you feel different about the expansion or do you like well, where we're at? Or I was kind of thinking they would just go up a little bit. They kind of jumped the gun by going all the way to 12. They, they literally tripled the field. So it's like, maybe if, if they'd have done some kind of bi-week thing to make it play out evenly with, I don't know, six or eight or 10, I don't know exactly. Uh, how the I'm feeling dumb thinking about how the brackets would play out, but I know you'd have to have some sort of bye week, like you had mentioned, that they're going to do with the 12. So, just seeing any kind of like step, the next step before we just go all the way to 12, because I could see, you know, a really strong like eight teams. I could see that, you know, in basketball they got the elite eight, you know, but it's it's the sweet 16. It's not the elite 12 or Facts. elite 16, and it's just 
there can only be so many good teams. There can only be one Highland, you know. It's like there's not going to be that many teams really in contention. But I think the one thing it does speak to is that for a lot of teams, they're on the fringe. You know, there's a lot of teams eight through 12 right now that are probably like playing worse overall. And a lot of their players are either checking out, looking at that portal, uh, thinking about the NFL already, you know, worrying, not worrying about, you know, going to play in the, the snow bowl in Idaho or whatever, whatever ball, it probably wouldn't be that bad of a ball if you rank that, but you know, they're looking at going to Miami and training for the league, you know, they're, they have other plans. So, I think overall it just keeps the sport more engaged, having more teams in it. And I think it's probably better for the sport at large, which is why I think they, they're doing it. I think it's better, more viewership, more teams that care. Just overall, it creates a higher level of impact with the 12 teams. And like, I think it'd be way better for football <laughs> if you did eight and way more competitive and more of like in the spirit of good competition it'd be in entertaining games, mind you, eight. But, you know, I think that's not why they're doing it. I think they want more teams because it just creates a bigger impact, a bigger ripple effect. And I think that, you know, March Madness has taken on a life of its own. Like, people really look to March Madness for, you know, when Applebee's is going to have good appetizer specials and stuff. Things that aren't – you could not even be a a basketball fan and – March Madness is affecting the culture. So I think that's where college football is aiming to be. It's got the passion. It's got the enthusiasm. I think it's, you know, really, I love basketball and I love college football, really. Like NFL is great, but the passion is in the college athletics and they have, they have something great on their hands. They don't want to fumble this. And I think that's why we're looking at 12. For that reason, who knows? They might try to make it a 64-team playoff before we know it. But I think if you do that, like you're saying, the rarefied air and just the effort it takes to end up in the playoffs, I, I, 12 teams does seem kind of easy, you know, but that's just me. So I kind of agree with what you're saying. I would have liked to seen just trust six or eight, you know, but it is what it is. We have the playoff we have, and I think – Georgia playing in this SEC championship game, the biggest thing, like you mentioned, is just getting that peach bowl, getting getting somewhat of a home field advantage. And that would be the third time that Georgia would have played at Mercedes-Benz Stadium this season. So it's it's great for Georgia. It's, you know, the fan base travels well anywhere, but uh, obviously playing in the state of Georgia is going to be an advantage for the dogs. So, if we can have that, man, this is really – everything's fallen in alignment for Georgia this year. Like, I'm not saying they won't have more windows, but everything is going right. Whereas, like, last year it felt like you had just to fight tooth and nail to earn that spot and finally get it on top of the mountaintop with your battered clothes. Like, I I'm, I don't want to jinx this, so I'm going to knock on all the wood I got available on my side of the Zoom call here, but the – fact remains that Georgia like the the timbers are falling on their opponents foes are slipping off the mountain and Georgia just keeps on trotting along like one of those ice age characters that's just getting lucky so this really could be their year and a more I mean I'm Georgia's done great things but you need you do need some luck our schedule has played out well things are looking great for the dogs where do you stand on the SEC championship and what sort of things are you looking 
board for this LSU team that at least has the chance of not maybe derailing our end of season hopes, but this senior class is uh, the last senior class won SEC championship technically as freshmen. So this, this senior class is trying to finish strong, get that SEC championship. What do you think LSU really has going for them to get in the way of that and potentially maybe not ruin our playoff hopes, but ruin that home field advantage, quote unquote, that we could be looking at playing in Mercedes Benz come Peach Bowl time. When you look at it from an outside perspective, you see uh, UGA being not maybe so much dominant, but still being 12 and 0. And I think clearly being the best team um, in, in the country right now. And then you see LSU who's had an up and down season coming in at nine and three. Uh, And then they're trying to stop the national chance from winning an SEC title. And the SEC championship game is an opportunity for them to slow that down. This is the first year under Brian Kelly. And so far this year, they have losses to Florida state. I believe in their opener uh, really lost at a big loss at home to Tennessee when Tennessee was whole. And then this really embarrassing loss to Texas A&M. And we talked on the last podcast, that was the type of game because again, we all know how talented Texas A&M is, but they haven't been able to put it together consistently. And I think that says a lot about Jimbo and what he's done down there, but they lost to Texas A&M 38 to 28 um, down there at college station. And on top of that, you have Jaden Daniels, their quarterback who suffers an ankle injury towards the end of that game comes back in and finishes, but he's been in a walking boot uh, the end of last week, beginning of this week. So no way he's a hundred percent. Uh, he may try to go for it, but that'll limit him. And a lot of his, a lot of what makes him dangerous is the ability to scramble when plays are broken down. And Georgia has seen that in spades all year. So that won't be, that will not be a, a threat to us as far as like containing that. We've done that, but that's what he brings to the table. And for me, I think LSU honestly is a physical and a mental matchup going into the playoffs physically their offensive and defensive line are known as being at the top of the sec as far as competing with alabama competing with georgia most years florida uh their dbs they're often dbu you we know about their wide receivers the in the past especially obj jamar chase uh, justin jefferson if i'm not mistaken this team puts people in the league and they recruit well and they are to be respected so i think from that perspective uj can really frame their mindset in a very healthy way. Like they're not going to lay down. They've beaten us all the time. Uh, You mentioned that Kirby, this is one of the few teams that Kirby hasn't had a chance to beat since he's been here. And I think this is all rocket fuel for what is going to be a good game come this Saturday uh, at four o'clock. But again, not, it's not just about, positioning it's it's about just beating the next team in front of you and I think that's where Georgia's mindset is and for me I'm working out the kinks of my offense I'm working out uh, my struggles if I'm Stetson Bennett on throwing the ball to open receivers he is proven in the playoffs and I'm hoping to get a stretch run from him I'm hoping to see Kendall Milton come back and lead this running back room and show that he is the NFL's prospect today uh, going forward or if he comes back and does it again next year and then the thing I we have to start winning the turnover battle. I would like to not turn the ball over at all and then get one or two uh, for our defense. These are the things that I want to start working on going into LSU. And if we do those things, LSU aside, we are going to make a run through this playoff field as it stands, because I think Georgia is that much better than every other team in the playoff right now. 
What about you? What what strikes you at, from LSU? Like, how can they threaten us? What do you like about their team? And what do they need to do to play spoiler on Saturday? Well, the biggest thing is I think they do have a great coach. Like, Brian Kelly has shown that he's a proven winner and he can coach up his players to where they need to be coming into the game. Not having Jaden Daniels or having a limited uh, Jaden Daniels is definitely going to kind of perturb things. But, yeah, like you said, I think they have elite talent on the defensive line. They got some really good receivers. Josh Williams and John Emery Jr. are both, like, really solid running backs. So they got talent to put Georgia in a tight spot or pull an upset if the game plan is intact and executed properly. Like, they're, they're within striking distance of being able to do that. But at the same time, I really like Georgia's mindset and mental week to week. I just don't think there's too many teams that are going to catch Georgia slipping, not just period, but long enough. You know, Georgia will – they might be caught slipping. You know, hey, Tech caught them slipping. You know, a lot of teams have caught them slipping all season, but no team has really been able to continually catch them slipping or, you know, for the duration of a game, out physical, out maneuver, out manual them. I expect LSU to be running the ball a lot, especially if their uh, passing game is limited. I know they got a backup that's more of like a pocket passer, so it'll be interesting to see if that's what Georgia's D is faced with. But overall – Big names to really know, especially uh, as a Georgia fan. You know, you know, you, you were familiar with our side of the fence, but Harold Perkins, I don't know if you guys saw his four sack game against Arkansas. Dude is a stud. He was a top five recruit coming in. And honestly, he looks like a clear number one. There's not another freshman I can just name with ease like I can Harold Perkins. So, dude has been balling. They got fake memes talking fake trash about Stetson Bennett and how he's going to sack him a million times because the internet will do such things. But overall, you know, LSU's got talent. They got the means to pull this upset. But the fact remains that no team has really been able to sustain that level of competition, even when they've caught Georgia slipping. And, like, I think it will be a closer game and a, you know, a decent game because, for one, they just got their ass handed to them in College Station, like we just mentioned. They're going to be playing up for that. And, you know, they have, they're going to have to be creative with their game plan, but I think that's something that Brian Kelly is actually pretty good with. But, yeah, I'm not necessarily threatened by LSU. What I am threatened by is what they could either expose to other teams or really, you know, just the health of this Georgia team. We're talking about getting guys back and, you know, having uh, people step forward because they've been injured, but at the same time, you know, I just hope we can come out with this W uh, with a fourth quarter lead so we can like put backups in and do what we need to do. Because even though we'll have some time to recover, it, it's big just getting the health of this team moving forward and really nailing down, like Cheeto said, what we want to do on our improvements moving week to week. But yeah, I like where Georgia sits and, you know, for us dog fans, it's just watching those names that we just mentioned, those those few LSU guys that really are difference makers. But, uh, Cheeto, what do you think about uh, this game as far as it's uh, – where would you rank it in the, in the, in the uh, Kirby Smart era as far as, like, biggest games for his career overall? I mean, you got 
a handful to choose from. Is it does it make the top five or or not? I think if LSU wouldn't have lost last week and they were honestly a real threat to uh, make the playoff and make some noise in the playoff, this would be higher ranked. But because this team, in my opinion, is Tennessee last year or maybe even this year, a year away from being a serious threat, even though they won the SEC West, I think that says a lot more about Alabama taking a step back and then the rest of the SEC being down, Ole Miss included. Um, they're, they're a year away. So I put them outside the top five, but as an accomplishment, this is huge for Kirby. And a couple of players I want uh, Georgia fans who may not be familiar to look out for is B.J. Ojulari, who is a linebacker there who Georgia fans should be familiar with in that he is the younger brother of Aziz Ojulari. And you remember how disruptive he was on our team. Look for his younger brother, LSU, to make similar type of plays. And then also John Emery Jr., uh, their running back. He's going to have to, in their loss to Texas A&M, I think he had three rushing touchdowns. So he is the threat. With Jaden Daniels being less so with the ankle injury, I expect him to take a big role. Luckily for Georgia, we have the best running defense in the SEC, uh, excuse me, in the country. So I expect LSU to struggle a little bit in that respect. Um, and honestly, the – the, the team's mindset is just so good right now in that LSU is coming off that loss, but same way when Kentucky lost to Vandy at home, they came back and they gave us a hell of a game. And the players are already saying it right now, and I know it's coming straight from Kirby, that a wounded Tiger is a dangerous Tiger and that we will take them seriously. And because of that, Georgia will be at their best offensively and defensively. And I am looking for a payback game from 2019 and Joe Burrow and them embarrassing us. Dogs, 42, LSU, 13 and we clinched the number one seed heading into what is a back-to-back championship-esque type season keegan what is your prediction for the game Ooh, okay so i like i'm gonna go 40 40 10 dogs on top i love it and then this week is a unique week in that we are not it's championship week for a bunch of teams especially the top four so this week is going to be a championship pick six a little spin on our normal six. Keegan, do you have what? Which games are you looking forward to the most, or what predictions do you have? Since I think there's six on the dot as far as championship games go. Well, I think it's Kansas State and TCU, and I really think TCU is going to pull through on that game. Uh, the other big game is I'm actually you take the take the reins for, for sure, for sure. To be honest, as much as I want and need TCU to win. I'm going Kansas State to win. They've been a good team, and I think that that is one of the upsets. Uh, obviously, I have UJ over LSU, but we also have USC, and their only loss being to the team they're playing in Utah. Give me USC to hold a top-four spot there. Yeah, and also, you know, I think I think USC is going to win with that game, pull through. Crazy game where Clemson just lost. Do you think they uh, beat – UNC do you think they can pull that off I'm gonna say no but they do have the potential after seeing Georgia Tech sack the UNC quarterback six times Clemson has the ability to do the same but give me UNC for whatever reason I like that I like that and I think Clemson I think Clemson really could sputter but uh, I like UNC I like UNC I like UNC what about the uh, Tulane, Tulane and UCF and then Michigan games? I got Michigan coming out on top, and I'm going to go with Tulane for absolutely no reason. 
I think Michigan wins. And yeah, I like uh I like UCF. The bounce house looks fun and uh old Gus Malzon's got them rocking. So I like UCF in that one. So the one crazy scenario that we have here is if TCU loses, look for USC to slide in, just depending on how the games go. I think Alabama is out, Tennessee is definitely out, but either way, this is gonna set up to be a great weekend, great for college football moving forward. And uh Dog Nation, it's gonna be a blast. Enjoy it. Let's uh let's enjoy this ride. This doesn't happen a lot, and Kirby is about to do something special with this program. Keegan, I appreciate you. Dog Nation, as always, you know what it is. Off the leash. I do it for the dogs.